Welcome to the Digital Health Insights Podcast, where NZ Hits CEO Scott Arrell brings you key thought leaders to share their experience, views, and vision on all things digital health and more. Full tech enablement is essential for creating world-class health systems, and Scott's guests discuss how this can be achieved, the challenges that need addressing, the opportunities it creates, and the benefits delivered to health, disability, and social care services in New Zealand and worldwide. Hey there, how are you doing? And thanks for joining us today. I'm Scott Arrell, and this is Digital Health Insights with Scott Arrell, believe it or not. <laughs> um, anyway, it's exciting. Uh, you might hear it in my voice because when you're listening to this podcast episode, Auckland and New Zealand, of course, has moved to level one to match the rest of New Zealand, which has been in level one for a few weeks now. We've been in level two and then level 2.5 before that and level three before that. Uh, our community transmissions had dropped, though, to I think it was zero for quite a fit period of time, at least a week, if not more. So gave our government confidence to bring Auckland in alignment with the rest of the country. So that's exciting. Thanks for joining anyway today because Mark Smith is the general manager for Securely, which is a exciting uh, company that's involved in the telemonitoring game and providing uh, equipment and uh, monitoring for people living in their own homes and in the community and village settings and so forth. So uh, really interesting in terms of our telehealth series of interviews. So Mark takes us through his own uh, journey through life. He's got a very interesting background in terms of his career, uh, done a lot of work overseas, very experienced actually uh, in the, uh, you know, the Far East, um, Asia Pacific, uh, been with IBM, uh, uh, regional manager for General Electric. Gosh, yeah, I could just uh, roll off the list here. But his current role as general manager at Securely, it looks, uh, it's actually Electra Services who uh, look after or there's a head company for Securely. And they've been growing quite a, quite considerably over the last uh, couple of years. Mark's been with them for three years. And um, you're going to enjoy this because it's quite interesting in terms of his own journey, but then also securely what they've been doing and what their plans are for the future, particularly in that whole telehealth, telemonitoring game, which is, is pretty important now, uh, not just because of COVID. That, that just brought it to the forefront of people's minds and activity. There's been so much happening in New Zealand just in the last few months, but it's been building for quite some time. So and good to see. Hey, and also, you know the drill before we get started. You don't hesitate and get in touch directly with me by sending an email to ceo at nzhit.nz. It's fantastic to get your messages and feedback. I, I do get a lot, and especially your guest suggestions and ideas on topics to cover. Also, have you checked out our website lately? That's uh, simply nzhit.nz. Uh, lots of updated news, events. Uh, moving into level one across the country is it's starting to give confidence that people can get together more. And talking about that, we've got our NZ Hit Summit being held in Auckland on the 29th of October, and registrations are filling up fast. We've got a 100-person limit. There's actually not now related to COVID uh, levels. It's actually related to the venue's uh, maximum limit. Um, so if you're an NZ Hit member and you want to be there, then get your skates on you better register. I don't know how many are left, but it's it's filling up fast. If you're not a member, just flick me an email, uh, ceo at nzhit.nz, uh, and I'll get back to you. We're going to have a chat about how you could attend. Uh, members getting first priority, of course, because of that 100-person limit. Well, you know, Mark's waiting, so we better go have a chat to him, eh? Well, hi there, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, hey, tell us a bit about Levin. Is it, how's the, uh, on the day that we're recording this for, for listeners, um, you know, I guess, you know, yeah, it's beautiful a pretty Levin, good old Levin day down, down here. towards yeah. the bottom of North Island. 
Looking good. Looking good. We've had, uh, you know, we've got a bit of a subtlety coming through, I think. So started off quite a nice day. We were supposed to get rain late this afternoon, but uh, it seems to have come a bit early and, and washed through. I'm an Aucklander by birth, and, uh, you know, up there you used to get four seasons in a day. And sometimes we get it down here. We're sort of, you know, quite close to the coast. So we get a bit of the uh, the, the westerly streams come through uh, underneath the mountain range as well. But, uh, yeah, today, look, it's always a beautiful day. When you're above the ground, it's always, always a beautiful day. <laughs> well, it's always um, – just to make all our international listeners jealous, you know, it's sort of – it's always a beautiful day in, in God's own, isn't it? It doesn't matter about Absolutely the weather. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and we, and uh, just to, you know, sort of rub salt into the wounds, it's got to – yeah, international visitors can't really get into New Zealand very easily at the moment as we're through the whole COVID pandemic situation. So um, we used to, and probably still do, say, hey, New Zealand is one of the best keep secret secrets in the world, uh, yeah, and it still is, but and it's even harder to get to it now. So, uh, yeah. But the the other side of that coin, of course, is it's hard for us to get anywhere else as well. So. Very true, very <laughs> true. And, and a lot of people we work with are overseas, and uh, so communication – you know, has changed a lot in the way that we communicate, not only with our, um, you know, with our customers and, and our suppliers, but just generally, just generally around mm. the whole community, it's uh, it's changed. Yes, yes, it's sort of changed so rapidly too. But uh, hey, let's talk about you for a minute. Um, general manager of Securely, um, based your head office is in Levin, and um, you know, I, what area is that? Horofenua. It is a Horofenua, Scott. Yep. Yes, so uh, I um, I've been GM down here for uh, just coming up on three years. Uh, moved into the role after, um, I guess, a career in technology. I could say, uh, I, I'm a uh, by by training. I guess I'm a I'm a marketing and IT person. Uh, I've spent time in in s- sort of almost yo-yoing between uh, multinationals and startups. So early part of my career, I was with IBM, and I spent a lot of time uh, working in in the technology space when uh, you know PCs were just coming into the uh, into the fore. But it was big mainframes with these massive big um, you know uh, server farms that took up acres and acres. Uh, I spent I was very fortunate. I spent some time working in the states, uh, and in fact, I was in uh, working out in the Dallas development labs when. OS2 versus Microsoft Windows was the big conversation going on. So, um, yeah, very fortunate to spend my early career as part of IBM and learned an awful lot about, uh, you know, the, the way of being in a blue suit and a white shirt and a red tie. And, and uh, But it was a very foundational, um, you know, uh, I guess, sales, marketing uh, and IT type background. As I said, I then bounced and zigzagged. And um, so I then sort of moved across into uh, did a short stint with, with what was telecom at the time. Uh, we were doing some work around what was things called this mobile data network. And they were just bringing in the mobile network, the very first CDMA platforms. So we were in this mobile data um, come paging, come uh, mobile phone space for a bit. And uh, but then it is some OE, um, as, as everybody in the Kiwi sort of space does. Spent two or three years um, uh, in Europe and uh, between there and the US, uh, just having a good old time. Did some work with uh, uh, Goldman Sachs and uh, JP Morgan's over there doing a bunch of an- analytics. Uh, and and because at the moment, sorry, at the heart, I'm 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 pretty much a data-driven person. Right? I'm I'm not so much a, the touchy-feely. I'm pretty much a data-driven. So. Did a lot of time and uh, you know working on models and uh, how to analyze information and how to use data to create information. Uh, coming back to New Zealand, I uh, uh, very connected and uh, as most Kiwis are, you know you always it's a village in this part of the world and so you know people who know people. 
Um, I jumped, as I said, between uh, multinationals and, and uh, the big ones in, in, in overseas in the financial markets, came back to New Zealand and started running a, uh, a business for uh, television home shopping, of all things. Um, uh, and oh, really? uh, okay. at that stage, yeah, look, it was pretty crazy times. We, uh, I ran Indonesia and India as two different countries, um, so territory, uh, business development, you know, greenfield startup going in there and, and having to, uh, you know, commercialize products coming out of the U.S. into local markets and, uh, you know, media deals, setting up call centers, distribution, uh, and a whole bunch of things like that, which was, uh, as I say, pretty crazy time. And when you're trying to sell everything from knives to exercise equipment to uh, all sorts of things, as you do on, on television, um, it uh, it gave you a, a, lot of, a lot of fast-paced energy and, and, a, and a really oriented around the consumer. But at the end of that, you know, it was um, it was – was a fun time, but then we had the uh, the uh, one of the first crashes around the financial markets. And living in Jakarta as we were at the time, my wife and I uh, decided to come back to New Zealand, and um, uh, and 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 we started our family. So uh, then I, I I thought, well, gee, that's a bit um, uh, you know get, getting back into something a bit more structured. I went back into IT again, and uh, was uh, was working for a company uh, which was in in the space of geographic information systems. Not for any reason other than a friend of mine was one of the co-founders, and and he needed someone to come in who was a bit more of a business lead than a than a than a technology, and and so I came in and, as country manager, and and uh, about three months after um, I started, we got acquired by a company called General Electric, and uh, so <laughs> GE came along as they did, and they they bought up companies with with gay abandon, and then so suddenly I became part of this multinational again, uh, and it's been ten years. Um, pretty much running Asia Pacific across utility space. So whether it was uh, electricity industry, uh, water, gas, and telecommunications. Again, primarily in the technology space. So we provided um, everything from sort of hardware and software uh, systems into those environments. Um, Sales and marketing, uh, service delivery, uh, implementation, project management. Uh, And and so that technology uh, environment was, as I said, sort of a strand that's run through my background. Uh, coming out of that, I spent, as I said, ten and, years. And all it's, yeah. I was going to just just coming back to sort of the your your, your um uh sort of your formative years. I put it that way. You mentioned you you, you did you say you were born born and brought up in Auckland? Yes, I was. Yep. So I, I used to spend uh, uh, twenty three weeks of a year on a plane uh, when I was oh, GE. So yeah, look, I I used to, I'd leave on a Monday morning and arrive back on a Saturday afternoon, and and you might do three countries in a week. And uh, it sounded all glamorous and pretty, pretty whizzy when you're sort of in your early 30s, but but it um, it was it was fairly um, hard and and uh, but also you know again very very fortunate to to have that level of responsibility. And I think you know in New Zealand as a as an country, we tend to allow people to develop to the level they can. There's no sort of glass ceilings. There's no you've got to be in a business and you've got to be in a in a role for many years before you can progress. There doesn't seem to be that. So if you've got the aptitude, you've got the desire, and you've got the uh, you know the capability, then really the you know the, the world is your oyster in that old sense. And mm-hmm. and I certainly got that with both with IBM and with GE. But um, but after a while, I, I I'd I'd come come home and I'd just my kids would look at me as if. I think I know who that person is, but I'm not really too sure as they were in that sort of, you know, one to three year old. So um, decided to look to, to be a bit more sedentary in New Zealand and uh, and um, and look for a new role. And uh, again, network wise, uh, I, I end up with Spark and uh, and I spent another 10 years with Spark. 
Uh, and it, it was through Spark that I actually transitioned back to the Manor 2, where my wife's from. And uh, so we left Auckland and we came down to the Manor 2 and, and so spent time um, running the, the initially the original the initial business in the Manawa 2, Wanganui, Horafanua, Wairapa regions. Uh, and then as Spark does with a few restructures, we, um, we moved and shaped and changed and I ended up running IT stuff again getting back to my, my that sort of roots and, I, uh, and really enjoyed it. But towards the end, like I, I was getting a little bit concerned that I wasn't adding a lot of value. And, uh, you know, telecommunications in, in New Zealand is in a, in a pretty dire shape. Uh, you know, it's a, pretty much a race to zero across a lot of the core services. You know, what used to be the price last year for a mobile plan, you know, you'd, you'd get like, whatever it might be, you know, one gig of data and so many minutes of talk time now, it's unlimited talk and more data and, and you pay less for it. So, you know, you're not creating a lot of value for the New Zealand Inc. And I'm a pretty passionate Kiwi. So I wanted to try and do a bit more for uh, for uh, for New Zealand, uh, a bit more for what we were doing. And, and look, my family circumstances, I'm a very family-oriented guy as well. And, uh, you know, my I, I was fortunate enough until only a couple of years ago to have uh, a grandmother still alive. Uh, she passed away at 101. Um, I've got my mother-in-law as, and, and uh, had my father-in-law until only a couple of years ago, you know, mid-90s. Uh, and, and and so we've got quite an extended far now. And, uh, and so looking at what we were starting to think about in our business, in our sort of, not in our business, in our, in our home life, uh, you know, that's where um, I was looking for something different. And at that stage, uh, Neil Simmons, who's the CE down here at Electra, uh, I'd known for many years, both through General Electric uh, and, uh, and latterly through Spark. Uh, he was looking for a new uh, or a GM to come into this business called Securely. And uh, uh, while I was um, actually taking some time out and I was at home trying to refurbish a kitchen and a, and a, and a laundry, um, he said he would just start on Monday. And uh, and so I, 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 I got myself this role in and I've, and I've really thoroughly enjoyed my, my last three years as, as we've looked to uh, to to establish securely and to uh, set its direction and its pathway to uh, towards uh, you know helping New Zealand Inc. Mm. So that uh, probably leads us nicely into securely and and what what is securely what does securely do and um, you know the important part you're playing actually in the in the sector that you're operating in. So um, anyway, yeah. so in the lecture it is the um, let's say that the head company the lead company that securely is. Uh, it, Trades in its own right. Yes, it is. So securely is a um, uh, is a wholly owned subsidiary of Electra. Electra is a lines business, so electricity distribution. Uh, it, um, it 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 operates between Foxton uh, and Paikakariki on the north. Uh, sorry, it's on the western coast of the North Island, Lower North Island. Um, we're an electricity distribution company, like a number of others. is is uh, is over twenty in New Zealand, uh, and. They're, we're an asset-rich company, so we've got a you know a very deep balance sheet. It's been in business for 122 years, uh, and uh, but it's but it's you know there's not a lot of diversification, and so Securely was really established uh, along with another number of other subsidiaries inside Electra to look at how we diversify and leverage that balance sheet to uh, to lift uh, the the uh, opportunity for obviously for our um, uh, our trust. Because uh, we are trust-owned, sorry, so I forgot to mention that. Electra is trust-owned, so we return about eight to nine million dollars of uh, of funds back into our local community each year as part of that uh, that distribution of funds in the trust. Uh, and, and so we're looking to diversify, and so securely we're set up to look at how we can 
leverage the 24 by 7 mission critical history that we have, uh, but take that into some new areas. And we've and so securely focuses on security monitoring, uh, medical alarms, uh, uh, personal safety, uh, and uh, and and how we make uh, or allow people to live with confidence and independence. That's the, that's our ambition. Uh, we are based in Levin, uh, but we have we have offices in Lower Hutt uh, in Taronga uh, with uh, a 24 by 7 call centre. Um, a few stats, if you'd like them, Scott. Um, we, um, yeah, yeah, we, sure. we, we monitor thousands of customers throughout New Zealand, so we're not just based in our region. Um, if I look at it, we, we do about 350,000 um, uh, inbound and outbound calls a year through our call centre. Um, we do about 72,000 what I call high-priority calls. Um, so those are medical events, um, mm -hmm. fire alarm, um, you know, uh, duress, for example, a, you know, hold up in a dairy um, or, uh, or family violence. So duress alarms are uh, a big part of our business. So mm -hmm. that's about an emergency call about every seven minutes throughout every day Dang. of every of the year. So it's a fairly active and busy. Um, the team are incredible. We've, um, you know, we've grown from 22-odd people when I started to over 80. Um, so it's been a quite a spectacular growth. We've done some of that through acquisition uh, where we've, uh, we've acquired some businesses. Uh, and uh, and through organic growth, so it's been a um, a really strong journey, and uh, and one that's sort of only just starting. Yeah, and uh, fascinating, really. And um, you know, when you think about, you know, I, I'm harking back to this the Levin location. It's not the general um, place that you would have a business like yours uh, based in, and. Uh, and I guess you, as you say, you've got a dispersed staff though, and some of your your team, are, are, are Dean and and some others, are involved in the virtual health industry group that we have sitting in within the NZ Hit, and they're very actively involved. So what I've struck with yourself and your and your team is the you know this passion for what you do. It's not just about you know you've got some pieces of kit and you you plug them up to the network and then you monitor people, do you? you? You're getting right in behind that, and that's it's actually about the people you're looking after, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and I, when I first started in the business and, and thinking about what is our what is our vision, what is our ambition, what is our mission, you know, it wasn't about, um, you know, monitoring. It wasn't about technology. It was about letting people live with confidence and independence. And that's whatever state and stage they're at. Uh, you know, there's wherever you are, you, you're connected normally. Um, you know, whether you're a you know a a, a 93 year old person um, living alone in their own home, uh, whether they're in a uh, uh, you know a, a, a millennial who's out and about who wants to be safe when they're walking home from school or from university or doing their whatever, you know that range is there, and, and it doesn't matter whether you, you know it's your property, whether it's your person. People want to be able to have that that confidence and independence that they're. Uh, you know that, 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 that New Zealand offers. You know we are fortunate in this part of the world that we are pretty safe, and you know police don't carry guns and whatever. But but bad shit still happens, and uh, you know and and we want to be able to make sure that people are um, are okay. So our, our you know at a core of our monitoring um, station is is you know twenty four seven eyes on glass, and uh, yeah, Levin's an interesting place. That um, the 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 Manawatu Horafunu region is actually quite quite. Um, uh, Populated with contact centres, there's um, there's, mm. there's quite a, a number of them down here, and and so there's quite a um, uh, a ready resource pool to uh, and, and talent. But living in the regions, you know, you've also got less uh, 
uh, propensity to change and people live here for lifestyle not necessarily for uh mm. for uh you know capital gain or career advancement so it's a good, no, that's it's right. a good and, team. Uh, yeah well there was a few years ago it's quite a few years ago now palmerston north themselves in the manner two they had a strategy a particular vision to be so the call i think there was something like the call center capital of the world or something and they were very progressive and you know in terms of broadband and and uh Connectivity and so forth, so yeah, and Still encouraged up. a lot of lot of it, yeah. So you know that sort of legacy sort of carries on, which is great. And um, the other thing, I, I can't help myself, and listeners that um, have been tuning into some of my other podcast episodes will know that I never um, let an opportunity go by to have a dig about the local rugby team. So, um, and, and I guess you know, being down your way, you're a you're a hurricane supporter, but you might be if your wife's from Manawatu, two, then. You probably have to wear that green turbos jersey, which is, which looks pretty disgusting, frankly. But I hope she doesn't make you wear it. Does she? <laughs> no, no. But I do have a green bucket that I put on occasionally. So yeah, oh, the, really? the, uh, <laughs> the the the, uh, the university guys down here are called the bucketheads, and that's the uh, you know when yeah, they, the when they're sitting out on those um, those bleacher stands and the horrible pouring rain with their green buckets, looking like the old sort of uh, 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 night helmet on. Yep, I have one of those and uh, proudly display it. Uh, yeah, and I am a Hurricanes fan. <laughs> Oh, no. you know, even though I'm an Aucklander and uh, you know by birth I I you know I've adopted the Hurricanes and uh, uh, and and certainly between them and the and the um, you know the, the backup team I'd say probably Otago but uh, you know it's um, it's it's very it's very much the provinces. Yeah, well, I'm sort of coming from a um, – I'm a Highlander supporter, even though I live in Auckland, so I've kind of supported them for a while. And and for those listeners who um, – there'll be some of you ro- rolling your eyes right now going, oh, my goodness, he's on about rugby again. And But then there's some others, uh, our, particularly our international listeners, where um, who may not have the context. We're, we're talking about rugby, and, you know, we everybody in, in the universe knows that New Zealand – uh, New Zealanders are the best rugby players in the world, frankly. So, um, and then the other thing that we're really well known for, Mark, isn't it that we, we're very good at um, uh, um, poking each other in the ribs about the rugby teams that we support, so, which I think is a common thing about whatever sports played in whatever country. So, um, but yeah, the Hurricane, I just don't get it. You know, like one you know, Hurricanes, they wear this ugly looking yellow jersey, and then the Turbo's got this green jersey, and um, the best uh, provincial. Coloured jersey, frankly, is the uh, blue and gold hoops of a Bay of Plenty, where where I used to come from. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> and they call themselves the Steamers. I'm not quite sure. I've never really understood where the Steamers comes from. But uh, yeah, oh, I think the, it's I think the other relationship jersey... to Rotorua. Oh, maybe it is. Okay, yeah, true, <laughs> true. I think the other jersey that most people in New Zealand would be quite happy to wear is it says, uh, um, "I support two teams, New Zealand and anybody playing Australia." So uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good. Uh, Hey, anyway, we better get back on track because also what my listeners know is if, if I don't um, get back on track, we'll end up just spending the next 10 minutes or more talking about rugby, which uh, this isn't the rugby channel, by the way. So so securely, um, what, talk about, if you don't mind, you know, what's your sort of, you won't have a typical client base, but what yeah, what, what do your clients look like? You know, what, what are they doing? Where, you know, where do they live? And what securely does um, or what does securely do to help them? With with their life and their well being, yeah. It's like I, I think um, from a, from a health industry perspective, I'll focus on that side of it more than the uh, than the security side. Um, mm. You know, a lot of most of our customers, I say, in, in the in the health side of it, are um, people that are that are probably over sixty five, uh, and and we sub segment that into the sort of and this is going to sound terrible, but you've got the young olds that are 60, 65 to seventy five, and seventy five to to sort of eighty to eighty two ish. Um, you know, they're the middle olds and then you've got the old olds, which are the, uh, 
uh, in terms of seniors, the, you know, the the the, the plus eighty five ish, and we do that primarily because of the the way they interact and communicate with um, uh, with technology and use technology. Well, I say we're not a technology company. Uh, the 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 industry around um, medical alarms has been very static for the last twenty odd years. Uh, in fact, I mentioned earlier I was part of the uh, early stages of telecom mobile. Uh, and uh, and back then we created that sort of first button and box stuff, which was connected to a pager that uh, you know used a modem, probably a 56k modem, to connect to the telephone line. And and uh, you know if you were in problems, you could push that, and it might call or send a text to a pager, or not a text, but a, a message to a pager. Mm, mm. And primarily, that's what's happened right the way through to today. And those boxes are still out there. Not necessarily using pages, but now just using, uh, you know, landlines. And and as it's upgrading, we haven't upgraded to fiber, and we're putting in SIM cards. And but the functionality hasn't changed. Uh, it's all about reacting. And and so you know, when you're in trouble, you call for help. And when I'm thinking about securely, and when I'm thinking about where we're going with it, what we're trying to do is 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 create that pathway that says, from early on in my aging process, and that could be mid-50s-ish, um, I'm going to be becoming a little bit more concerned about you know, safety and, 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 and where I am. So I might be having an alarm at that stage, whether it's for my house or when I'm out and about. Uh, and But I'm also thinking about my retirement and, and what I'm going to do then. So planning the RV and where the RV is going to be parked and, and how many you know, months or weeks a year I'm going to be out driving around and holding up the traffic and, and all those sort of good things. So it's the ability to actually get things happening beforehand. So mm. rather than, than uh, unfortunately, you know, we have a lot of customers who, who um, only connect with us when they're lying on the floor and they have been for many hours because they can't get up and they're calling for help. And, uh, and that's what the traditional button and box has done. Look, we've got thousands of those customers throughout the country, which we support. And uh, I mentioned how many you know, emergency calls we have, Scott. And, and you know, we, we have a lot of our customers who are on the floor and they're talking to our team, and they can be waiting for that ambulance for for up to an hour, and and so you know it's it's scary, it's frightening, it's you know there's a lot of compassion that, that the team have to um, you know display, and 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 you know having that conversation when you know you're you're over a speaker because you know we're talking to them over a speaker essentially, so they're not mm-hmm. talking over the mm-hmm. telephone because they're on the floor in their hallway and their bedroom and they're somewhere else. So, you know, while we're trying to communicate with the ambulance and find out how far away they are, because they're busy as well, we're communicating with that person to say, you know, Billy, you are all right, or Mary, or whoever it might be, and, and we, you know, we just checked with the ambulance and they're not too far away now, and we're, you know, have you got something to keep you warm, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of what we do is, is about just making people, um, you know, comfortable and, and, and while they're waiting. Um, but that's not what we want to be, right? We want to start. How do we turn that into? How do we predict when that might happen? And how do we actually learn about the people in their house? And how can we help them stay independent in their house, but not get to the stage where we're on the floor for twelve hours waiting for someone to find them, which is the headlines that you always read. Mm, mm, that's right. Yeah, and yeah, because um, I don't know whether you know or not, but I've got a background in that medical alarm space, and um, I. I recall very much the you know almost a cowboy approach in in some regards that uh, some of the systems that, and I'm, I'm talking a long time ago you know, probably 20 20 odd years ago um where yeah an alarm might get triggered but uh, whether it actually 
went anywhere or got picked up by anyone. Yeah, goodness knows. And uh, one of the great things, and I was pleased to be involved with it at the time, was kind of upgrading the system and upgrading the service, um, the model, and you know what. And it's way different to what you're doing now. You know, you're streets ahead of anything that we even thought about possible being possible back then. A lot of it is about connectivity and so forth. A lot of it is about expectations. I think families now, uh, ex, you know, it's this whole peace of mind factor. It's not just about you know caring for mum or grandma in the home. It's 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 her, him, and family having peace of mind because we've got dispersed families now. You know, you talk about, you know, you've got quite a close family unit by the sound of it, but um, that's not common, I don't think, nowadays. We have we might have uh, you know, mum living in or grandma living in uh, Levin, but the rest of the family, some could be overseas and some could be in Auckland and Dunedin. So uh, that, and that's the same that for me. stuff that I, you do gives that peace of mind, you know. Yeah, my family's up in in, uh, in Auckland and my, my wife's family are down here in, in, in the Manawatu. too. And, and each day, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I have a uh, one of our systems, not because my parents need it. They live in Oriwa, just north of Auckland. Um, mm-hmm. Nice retirement little area of, uh, of Auckland as people sort of uh, move out of the the, uh, the, the, the main areas. But uh, every morning, I get a little text message to say that my parents are up and about. Now, that doesn't – they don't have to do it. They don't have to do anything about it. They don't have, you even have to know it's going through. But it's, a, it's using a, a sensor in their house. Uh, and it measures, you know, activity just by our emotion sensing. Uh, and, and so I get a message every morning. And I get it from my mother-in-law who lives in Palmerston North 15 minutes away, but I get it from my parents who live 600 kilometres away in Auckland. And, uh, you know, and look, you know, I look for that every day. Mm. Um, I look for the and – and I have a chuckle because sometimes they're up early and you go, oh, dog's got you up, or or sometimes they have a sleep in, right? But it, it's, it's that connection. It's that, it's that, you know, it's that attachment. And it means that, you know, from my perspective, there's a little bit of lessening of guilt from being so far away and not being close by to support them. But also it gives them a sense that, uh, you know, that I'm not having to ring up and, and invade their privacy by saying, how are you doing today, mum? You okay? How are you doing today, mum? You okay? How are you doing today, mum? Are you okay? Which is the other way we've, we've traditionally done it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And the, um, what we used to call sort of the, the, the morning curtain opening, uh, which a lot of um, our clients and people we were talking to were thinking about getting a, a, a medical alarm, as we call them here in New Zealand. But, you know, often they, they would say, oh, no, no, I don't need one of these because, you know, my neighbor knows if I've survived the night because in the morning I open my curtain, my, my front window curtains, you know, and, and my neighbor's checking on me. Uh, and, and of course, that's fine as long as your neighbour is and the neighbour is there and all that sort of stuff. So again, you know, it's not about changing, you know, the, that those um, uh, sort of activities of daily living or ADLs, they're not going to change. We're not, not expecting anyone to change, but then using um, technology to provide that extra level. And and I understand, you know, because you're looking into the, the use and impact of artificial intelligence. So then you're starting to collect that data, then you, that's it. You, then you start to personalise and protect, don't you? Correct. And that's that's the piece that comes to it because even just opening the curtains is a reactive. So if they didn't open the curtains, what do you do? And and how long would it take mm-hmm. someone to come in? Because that's after the event. So, you know, the 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 smarts that are now coming through with those ADLs, with that activity, um, you know, daily activity logging and uh, but also the ability to actually use sensors which have uh, characteristics around whether it's motion, uh, bed sensors which can use Ballisto cardio sensors and electric um, uh, EMF waves uh, to to monitor. Uh, we use a sort of a, a, a 
I call it Doppler radar because that's what people sort of understand a bit, but it's actually a, a depth sensor. Uh, we can measure the people's stride length, which is called a gait. Uh, we can measure their their um, their respiratory rates, their their mm-hmm. their resting heart rates. Their there's all those sensors actually give you a huge amount of information, so that 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 the algorithms that are now being developed and and are based on clinical research and deep deep research over a number of years are suggesting that they can predict falls up to three weeks in advance mm. by the difference mm-hmm. in your gait's your stride length in your gait. And also what they call the tug score, which is actually the time it takes you to get up out of a seat and your mm. ability to manage that. So if mm. we could stop that person having the fall by giving an early indicator or early event warning, then we're going to do more than waiting for someone to no- notice that the curtains are, haven't been opened. <laughs> and we stop the fact that one in three seniors fall over you know, in their homes. And of those seniors that fall over, only half of them report it. But that leads to a hip, hip fracture, and a hip fracture requires hospitalization. Every hospital, $700 or plus a, you know, a day in bed costs. So, you know, $75,000 for an average hip mm. replacement plus rehab, you know, and then the lifespan of that person is severely shortened. So it's, again, about coming back to how do we help that by predicting. And other, other chronic diseases like UTIs uh, or, uh, you know, respiratory, uh, stroke, uh, you know, and, um, and and coronary diseases can be predicted. Uh, and some of this research mm-hmm. is showing that by using these sensors and applying that information, or creating, the, taking that data and making it into information, we can help people stay independent for, for between one and two to three years longer than what they would have normally if they hadn't had it. So again, if I'm a, mm. a person thinking about retiring and I'm going to sell my house, I'm going to go buy my, my apartment in a independent living facility and the kids are going to say you're spending my inheritance mum what are you doing then you know we're allowing that to last a little bit longer in their own home but providing me as the child with more information about what's going on with my parents or parent uh, and providing that information so my next step in that journey is how do I provide that through to the GP how do I provide that through to the geriatrician uh, in the PHO and the DHB uh, and how do I connect that information up with the likes of the interise uh, to be used in NASC assessments and other pieces? Because that's the real gem in this that's hidden at the moment. The data that's being collected is going to be so powerful. And for us to enable that through these algorithms to, to predict and then to pass that across to the clinicians to make adjustments in advance, that's gold. Mm. And of course, it doesn't necessarily. You know, there's a connotation to about uh, how intrusive this becomes, and then you know that's uh, clearly it's still about informed consent. It's still about making sure security and privacy and you know um, protocols are maintained. Very much, um, so. and you know, and, uh, you know where that data is gained from and where it goes to and how it's used in between. And uh, but also, um, you know, we're not, you know actually talking about you know someone might choose to put a a blood pressure cuff on every morning that's their choice um there's other ways of doing that as well nowadays the whole technology has become uh kind of ubiquitous into the terms you know i can remember back in my time you know you you wouldn't consider you know giving someone say a 
a blood pressure cuff that was Bluetooth because it was, you know, it was too big and clunky. It was just, you exactly. know, nowadays, you know, text, text not the problem anymore in that regard. And I, I read a, um, a recent, uh, it wasn't that recently, but it was an interesting article as, in which it was a good example of um, productivity. So there'd been some work done, I think it was actually in South Korea um, with Aging in Place program there and uh, one of the universities. And just with the Zimmer frames, you know, with the walking frames, as we call them mostly, we generally call them in New Zealand. And yep. they actually found by putting sensors on the where the hands or the arms go, that they, they actually found that about two weeks, I think it was, but generally about two weeks on average, um, if there was problems with the uh, legs or the hip, uh, for example, the, the weight would go on one side Pretty more sure. yep. uh, than the other side. So, so the person was was starting to lean more on the side of of their body that was in pain or or not or weak. Um, and then there that then was an indicator uh, that there would be a fall. So they even though they were on a walker, they would end up slipping off or falling over. And um, so they were actually starting to kind of intervene earlier and say, okay, the, this data here is telling us that there was something wrong with that side of the body. And the person themselves didn't even know really that that was being collected. Um, but And that's that, exactly what um, I'm saying. It, you talk, it, it, it is yep. about doing that. So it's that, it's that early intervention. Mm -hmm. And this is the, these algorithms aren't predicting down to the exact, right? But they, it, they're early indicators. And, uh, and those changes, mm -hmm. you know, it could be the fact that you've changed your medication. And so the AI is able to note that you've changed your uh, your stability or your mobility or mm. your uh, and and using it we you're right we don't have cameras we don't use cameras in these environments we're using sensors those sensors are collecting information uh, on a on a pretty regular basis they use a as I mentioned sort of a uh, a radar style but they don't you know you're not going to end up looking like your uh, your fried chicken but uh, but you know you're capturing that information but also you're able to then use it to analyze post event mm -hmm. if there is an event mm. because we can't stop a fall. But, um, but, you know, quite often when people fall, they've got no idea why. And so if you've got an ability to actually use some sort of imagery, which is very fuzzy and, and, and anonymized, to say, you know, was it when they got up out of the chair to put their hands on the Zimmer frame that slipped out from in front of them and they nosedived on the carpet? But if, if you'd ask the person who that actually happened to, they wouldn't understand or they wouldn't remember or recall what it was. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a pre and a post application for this information set as well and that data has to be secure uh, you know we we uh, you know we hold that information in new zealand and, and data sovereignty is something that we you know we're very clear, clear about the requirements of uh there's a number of uh of uh, information requirements one of them out of the us is called hipaa uh, which is the health information mm -hmm. or the mm -hmm. privacy uh and you know we're sure they're compliant with that and and uh and, and almost securely along with uh, a number of other medical alarm providers are part of TSANS in New Zealand, which is the Telecare um, Services Association, where we actually, uh, you know, are very, very clear about the obligations and requirements around mm -hmm. uh, the collection, uh, the storage, storage and, uh, and the use of that information, as well as the Privacy yeah, Act yeah. changing in, in December mm -hmm. this year, which is going to be even more, um, uh, you know, I, I guess, uh, uh, not onerous, but uh, more more prescriptive and definitive for that area, mm. which is a, a, an area to be tidied up. Mm. Well, and it's important because ultimately it's about trust. So if if, um, if there is a lack of trust in the in this sort of thing, then it's very difficult to get to get uptake and to get use, um, you know, of the systems that we have. You know, so you know we've got to have these um, let's say regulations or requirements that that ultimately talks about trust. 
and and uh, yeah, they they yeah, the user of these systems does and their families. In your case, they have to have trust that you're doing that for them. And I, I think the other old and you know, we so we'll finish shortly talking about the future. But you know, the you talked about people um, say break falling, breaking their hips, and also it's known that the amount of time. So if they have fallen and have broken something, but particularly hip, um, the amount of time they're on the floor immobile uh, it has a direct cor- correlation to their survival rate and their recovery rate. Um, if it they, you know, does. Once, once they take the hospital, the other, and of course, there's an economic factor and social factor for that particular person, for the, that individual. But it flows on to what I've found: family and friends. So, generally, you know, and when I'm providing home-based care, you, know, you would generally find you know, someone, you know, the close family member, and typically, you know, um, have to be honest, it was the daughter or daughter-in-law. Um, if they were working, would have to sort of go part-time or give up work for a while to help look after mum or, or grandma. And um, quite often that went on for quite a long time. And so so the economic impact for the family is also a big factor, uh, let alone then the social um, um, factors, and that flows into our society. So I don't I don't know of whether the full sort of impact of that has ever been factored in uh, so that more more attention and more funding and um goes into the area of work that you do so which state i'm leading now into the future so if i, I gave you the keys to my uh, time machine and uh yeah we'll hit 2030 is where you're going to end up so what does good look to, like to you and when, when it comes to your to, to the part that you play in the sector yeah well interesting i actually talked to my team about uh uh two things at the moment one of those i say how do you find me because quite often when people are looking for this sort of technology to support their family it's it's post an event so I'm one of those people in the right space. You know, I've got aging parents, so they will have changing needs. An event could cause it that I would that I would seek information, and and that happened just before I joined Securely, where my father-in-law uh, was in later stages of prostate cancer, and 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 you know, within three to four months, went from being happy, healthy, and and, and reasonably active to being very, very. Um, uh, limited mobility and we had to modify his house and, and unfortunately then he passed away in a couple of months post that but uh, you know so so then how do I find me because I had no idea where to look for this information how I, what I, what could be out there what could be available what could I source to support Ted and his in his uh, latter stages of life the second part is I'm going to be there soon so you know, by 2030, I'll be the community that I'm trying to support. <laughs> so I've got to get it right before I get there. So what's it going to look like True. for me, Scott? <laughs> look, I think, um, I you know, I, I think uh, wearables are certainly a, a big part of it. Um, look, I think the the predictive nature of what we're doing today is just touching the the uh, the surface. Um, I think the the number of sensors that we already have in terms of wireless devices in our um, in our own homes is going to become a lot high, higher um, or more connected. So part of my, our business, um, you know, we do a lot of uh, security and smart home and and people talk to me about, I've got this app for doing my lights, I've got this app for my front door, I've got this app for my for my turning my stereo on, I've got this app, but I've got a dumb smart home mm-hmm. because nothing's connected. Um, each of them are individually at the moment, each of them are individual components. So we'll see a lot more of that being aggregated, connected, and, and, and that information source being connected. Um, I'd like to see an implant so that, you know, that a lot of that information is, is just becoming, uh, um, uh, you know, transparently. It's, a, you know, whether you call it big brother or not, I think that's um, by far um, the better way to go. Look, you know, we're going to double the number of people who are over 65 by 2038 in New Zealand. 
we haven't got enough mm. nurses to, to to support them. We haven't got enough facilities to support them. So you know, by the time I'm in that space and I'm I'm you know driving my RV around between my my children's houses backwards and forwards and and, and driving them bonkers. I want to know or them to know what's going on in my life because I don't think that that should be such an issue by then. We'll be more comfortable and transparent with our um, our own personal data uh, and and uh, the the ability for us to use that data proactively to um, to support uh, probably a more mobile, uh, a more transient and a more um, uh, you know I guess connected village of community will be there. So I think we're going to we're going to just you know deepen the level of, of use of AI. Uh, we'll uh, we'll you know we'll see a lot more interaction via uh, uh, by robotics. Um, you know, there's been some great work around how do I have um, you know even just pill dispensing, um, comfort, people living alone, um, social interaction. Uh, you know, the 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 level of of ability to communicate. Uh, you know, the that sort of thing will increase as well. So you know. Breaking down a lot of those barriers will also then lead to the breaking down the barriers of, you know, my data being mm. being sort of worried about. And that trust factor you were talking before, I think that will disappear a bit as well. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I think you know we're we're, we're mm. certainly starting that journey now. Um, we have to change it. As I said, we've got you know we've got double the number of, of, of people in that senior bracket. We're not going to double the 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 the, the, um, the the budget for funding. I'm sure because there'll be less people paying tax. So it's either going to be privately funded or it's going to have to be done more efficiently, mm. and uh, and that's where technology can help. Mm. And I think we're on a we're on a good pathway to that. Yeah, I I, I agree, and I've I've sort of scared some people in the past with some presentations that I've done, and and when I talk about uh, you know, what does the future look like in some regards, it's sort of um go, go, we're at wearables now. So we you know there was a time when you know you dreamt about we're having a watch that would monitor your heart rate and track you and tell you how many steps you took and all that sort of thing. Well, we're there now. Um, so we've, we've we've hit the wearables um, stage, or uh, I think the next phase is impl is implantables, um, and then the phase that will follow uh, quite quickly after that will be ingestibles. So we're already at a point of you know smart pills, smart medicines um, that you will you will ingest and uh, and, uh, and they'll release when they need to release. Yep. That's exactly. right. Yeah. So I'm I'm no clinical person, so I I have to you know um, condition what I'm saying with that. But you know I yeah I'm I'm at at a time in my life when I can remember you know thinking gosh it would be great if I had a watch that you know when I did my running it told me how far I had run instead of me having to guess it. Uh, well, you know that's we live with that you know every day now. You know. Yes, um, so um, so I think you know the idea of implantables is not far around the corner. It's happening now actually. Um, and you know you can have a chip inserted in your in your in your um, hand you know, and swipe that to open doors and so forth. So you know we're not far off. Uh, you know that that um, spiraling up further and um, yeah ingestibles. So it's going to be interesting uh, times ahead. And as you say, a bit like you and um, uh, I think you're much younger than me actually. But yeah, so I'm interested in 2030 because I'll be a, a consumer of some of this that we're talking about, won't we? We will. And look, I mean, you know, that's that's the. Um, the ultimate goal is, uh, you know, as a boss, you're supposed to make yourself redundant by 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 grooming people to support you. My goal is to, uh, you know, to be ready for the for the age when I need it, and uh, with the technology <laughs> platforms to support us. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, well, on that, um, you know, we could we could talk for quite a while longer, Mark. Um, you know, you're operating in a space that's dear to my heart, and uh, you know, I think it's great work that you do. So, but we'll, what it has told me is we'll have to get you back. 
we'll, we'll talk about some of this a bit more in the future. So, hey, thanks for your time today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have, Scott. Great talking with you. Yeah, fantastic. And, uh, and listeners, thank you for spending the time with us. I, I hope um, you have enjoyed it and you didn't mind that little, kind of little bit of an interlude where I chucked in a bit of rugby and how much I don't like the hurricanes down Mark's way. But yeah, we'll, we'll forgive them, won't we? So, <laughs> And uh, don't forget, listeners, um, hit the subscribe button, uh, share this episode with your friends. Um, also, as I always say, as you know, um, you've got to share the love around, share these stories because they're, they're fantastic. So thanks for your time, Mark. And um, thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Digital Health Insights Podcast with Scott Errol. Make sure to subscribe and join us again for more news, views and stories from key health and tech leaders. For more information, please head to our website at www.nzhit.nz where you'll find links to resources, news, events and much more.